0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. I think you'll uh, appreciate today's topic. We're going to be talking about uh, Proverbs, um, and, and specifically we're going to be talking about Work and what does the Proverbs have to say about work? I just uh, want to say welcome to those joining us online again today. Recognizing that uh, there are some who are unable to be here with us today, and so uh, we want to welcome you guys as well. And um, we we'll continue to pray for you. What's your view of work? Have you thought about work as you've gone through your life? As I as I look at, I'm you know I'm closing in on that fifty mark here and. Um, as I look back on my life, my, my viewpoint of work hasn't always been very biblical, I would say. I kind of had the idea of like there's secular work and then there's spiritual work, right? And, and kind of that dichotomy between the two. And, and, but as you look at the Bible, as, you, as we study the Proverbs today, we see that all work is spiritual. That God has a specific way that he expects his people to work. And if we do not work in that way, then we're walking in disobedience to him. There is no time in our life where we will not work. You're like, well, I'm I'm gonna retire someday. No, you won't, all right? When When it comes to living for God, we have work to do until we shall see him, all right? So you may stop your occupation that you're working at, but I think the whole, take the whole retirement thing out of your mind in the sense of like, I'm not gonna work anymore. No, you will, you're gonna be working for the Lord until you shall see him. So just to kind of get a little bit of, you know, I I don't know, you may be sticking your tongues out at me right now, I have no idea. Um, So so to kind of help me see if you're still with me or not, uh, I'm going to ask you guys uh, a few questions, and which one of these best describes your view of work now, there was a study done in, at Purdue University that talked about how different generations view work, and so I'm just gonna read them off, and then you tell me which one that you feel like you best represent. All right, so there's some, uh, one generation that is known as being dependable, straightforward, tactful, and loyal. Another generation is known as optimistic, competitive, workaholic, team-oriented, Another generation, flexible, informal, skeptical, and independent. Another generation, competitive, civic-minded, open-minded on diversity, achievement-oriented. And then lastly, there's the generation that is global, entrepreneurial, progressive, and less focused. So which, which generation best uh, represented you? So I'm just going to get you to give me a, sign, a show of hands. How many would say, I'm kind of global, entrepreneurial, progressive, less focused? Yeah, <laughs> not really encouraging, right? So that's the, uh, that's the Gen Zs, okay? That would mean, that would mean you were born uh, 2001 and on, right? So um, nobody's claiming that particular. Now, to be fair, uh, you, you, the max age on that right now is 19, you know, so you probably aren't super focused at 19, none of us were, right? Um, How many would say they're competitive, civic-minded, open-minded on diversity, achievement-oriented? Anyone say that? Okay, I see that hand. Uh, So you would be a millennial, according to to the survey, born from 1981 to 2000. How many would say they're flexible, informal, skeptical, uh, skeptical, skeptical, whatever? You know what I'm trying to say. Independent. How many would say they're that? Okay, I see a few more hands on that. Uh, that is uh, that's that, in their study. That was the Generation X, born from 1965 to 1980. That would be the one that I would I would be, I guess. I'm a Gen Xer, apparently. Um, how about optimistic, competitive, workaholic, team oriented? May not like the word workaholic, but the rest you're you're happy with, okay? That that mean that's the baby boomers. And then lastly, dependable, straightforward, tactful, and loyal. How many would say that's them? Okay. So you were born between 1925 and 1945, apparently, okay? So, so that's, the, that's the traditionalists, okay? Now, <laughs> and I don't know if there's anyone in here that, that would fit that category, but um, what the point of it was is that you're, with a, each generation, there's a different viewpoint of work But my hope is that by the time we leave here, it won't matter what generation you were born into, that you would have a biblical view of work, right? We all understand we have different influences based on where we grow up, whatever, but ultimately what God desires of his people is that they are uh, people who follow his word and not just follow their generation. And so we're going to get into uh, Proverbs this morning. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to camp there for a little bit, Proverbs chapter 6, and uh, we're going we're gonna to look at some other verses outside of Proverbs, uh, but the main focus will be Proverbs. And uh, God, through Solomon, encourages us to look to the ant. Uh, Bridges was funny on this, he's like, you know that sin has had an impact, has impact on odd people when God's like, hey, can you just look at the ant and follow their example uh, you know, versus what you're doing right now? So it says this, verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard, when you rise Arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. As we look at the, uh, this text and other texts in Proverbs, we're going to see this, this comparison of the diligent versus the sluggard. And then we see, as we look at the Proverbs, the fruit of each of those focuses. I want us to start by looking at the focus of the diligent. Note, first of all, in verses 6 and 7, we see, or sorry, 7 and 8, we see that they are principled. They are principled. In other words, they have integrity. What kind of worker are you? It says, without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. This kind of person doesn't need someone watching over them 24-7 in order for them to work. And pointing out to the ant, he says, Look at the ants. They don't have a they don't have a boss who's saying, Hey, here's your reviews coming up as to whether you worked hard or not. You know, there's there's no there's no measurements that way, there's no firing, there's no hiring. There's just simply they're working hard because it's the right thing to do. And God's calling us to do the same thing. We ought to have integrity in our work. Whether or not your employer notices if you're working hard and putting in a full day or not doesn't really matter for the believer. What matters for the believer is that the Lord is watching. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, 5 and 6 says this, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And so we're not bent on, okay, is the boss watching or not? That's the picture here. When you're you're working only to, to please the eyes, and when you're a people pleaser, that is not the kind of worker that God wants. We ought to understand that ultimately we're going to give an account to one boss. It is the Lord God. And so as we go to work each day, we ought to have the mindset, I'm going to put in the day that I'm being paid for, right? If I'm being paid to work eight hours, I'm going to work eight hours. Maybe no other time than this time is there more ability to not work, to be distracted. You know, we got these phones now, right? Okay, you know, I worked really hard there for 20 minutes. I just need to quickly check Facebook. I need to just quickly check the news. Like, what's the latest stats on COVID? You know, I just need to, I just need to, I just, and, and you, can, you can waste your entire day and not working uh, very hard. Aiken, he talked about a movie. I can't remember the name of it. He's like, it, but the employee in it says, yeah, I probably work about 20 minutes a week, right? 20 minutes a week of real hard work, because we can be so easily distracted. An article came out, and I don't know what the thing is nowadays, but, but back, a little while back, there was an article that said Angry Birds was costing businesses 1.5 billion in lost wages. Like, isn't that, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get to that task, but I just gotta, I just gotta do this for a little bit, right? Like so easy to be distracted. Couple that with our ability to, to, to rationalize things, like, you know, I'm not paid enough, or I'm not, you know, I, I deserve a break, and I need multiple breaks. If I'm really gonna go hard, I need these multiple breaks. It's really easy to be, fall into the temptation each day to not work in the way that we ought to. But God is calling us to follow the example of the ant and work hard each day, not robbing those who are employing us. In doing so, you will be a blessing to those you work for. You will be known as someone who is dependable, trustworthy. And if noticed, not that you're doing it to be noticed, but if noticed, oftentimes, then you are given more responsibility, more opportunity. And Matthew 5, Sorry, Matthew 25, verse 23. Matthew 25, verse 23. I encourage you to just write these down and, and look them up for yourself later. But and Jesus talking about the parable of the talents is when the, 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 the servant had done well, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy the joy and enter the joy of your master. You think about Joseph, right? His brothers sell him into slavery Gets to Potiphar's house, what does he do? Does he whine and complain and like, oh, I, don't, I don't deserve this? No, he works hard. He works really hard. And, and, he, and he works his way up until he gets lied about by Potiphar's wife, and then he's sent to jail. What's he do once he gets there? He's a servant. He serves really well, and he gets responsibilities there. And then, after some time, the man that he helped remembers what he had done, and and. Uh, sorry, the pharaoh hears about him, and what he's given responsibility over all of Egypt. He was faithful in a little, and God gave him much. I think about David, starting out as a shepherd of sheep, right? Could seem like a menial task. Does it doesn't really matter. He's fighting bears. He's fighting lions. Like he's he's laying his life on the line for these sheep, and he becomes the king of Israel. This is the general principle that God calls us to as His people. You may or not, may or not, be, you know, get to be the president or the, you know, a king someday. But the general principle is that God blesses His people when they work hard. And secondly, we are to, we are to be those who are persevering. As someone who is diligent, we are to persevere. Again, look at that verse. Without having chief officer or ruler she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Always working hard, never leaving a job undone. As you consider the ways of the ant, how many things do you leave half done? I we think about, it's like January 1st seems like, what, what, 20 years ago right now? Okay, but think way back to January 1st, before the world went crazy, what, what things were you going to do this year? Now, you have a really good excuse this year. You're like, COVID. I would have been in great shape right now, but COVID. You know, I would have done this, but COVID, right? But, but how many things we were you, like going to do this year, 2020? Going to read a book a month. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through the Bible in a year. I'm going to, like we do all these kinds of things, but how many things do you actually finish? God calls us to be the kind of people that when we start something, We actually finish it. Proverbs 12, 27 says this, whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Do you understand what he's talking about here? The picture is, as someone who's went to the work of hunting, went out, got the animal, and then was like, ugh, now I gotta cook it, forget it right? That's the picture. They they went to the work of getting started on the whole process because they were hungry, but in the end, they're just like, I can't be bothered to actually throw it over the fire. That's the picture of the, the slothful person, someone who doesn't finish, doesn't persevere and finish the job. It says in the same verse, the diligent man benefits because he finishes what he starts. This is true in the physical world, Uh, Those who finish where they start, generally speaking, will be blessed. But it's also true in the spiritual world. And God tells us over and over again, right from Matthew, right through to Revelation, that we need to persevere in our faith. That we need to continue on day after day in our faith and not lose heart. Don't, Don't start and then stop. Sadly, all of us know people who fall into this category who are the people that Jesus talked about in Matthew 13, 20 and 21. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. As for what's sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Okay, this is great, this Christianity thing. I'm going I'm to do this, and I... You know, I, I feel so much like a better person now. And I'm, you know, I, I really like this. And they, they, we, don't, we don't know they're hard at the time, but they're kind of, they're doing these things because of what they might get out of it. And when persecution comes, when, when the hard times come, they're like, I'm out. I'm done. I quit. And we need to be on guard against this. John as well, Second John 8 says this, wash yourselves so that you may not lose heart what you've worked for. but may win a full reward. Now we know that those who are truly in Christ will persevere to the end, but we also are told over and over again to examine ourselves. Are we truly in the faith? And we know we're in the faith when we continue to persevere. And so we're called to do that as the people of God. We need to pursue Christ on a daily basis and persevere in that. And not only that, that we also ought to be a people who are all, complete the physical tasks that we start as well. And so we ought to uh, think before we commit. So that thir- that, that's the second thing. We ought to be a persevering people when it comes to our work. Thirdly, we need to be a people who are prepared. The diligent are prepared. Again, look at Proverbs 6, 7, and 8. Without having an officer, a chief, officer, or ruler... She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Why? Because winter's coming. This person is known for their preparedness. They are someone who thinks through what, what they're doing currently and the future implications it will have. The mark of someone who fails is someone who fails to prepare. They're continually winging it, and in the end, that will bring them ruin. Let's look at Proverbs 10.5. Proverbs 10.5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is the son who brings shame. All right, can we just, it's a little honesty time now. How many of you adults look back on your school time and think, you know what, I kind of wish I would have worked harder? Anybody, anybody willing to admit that? Okay, I see a lot of hands up, right? Like, You didn't prepare, right? And so when you got out of high school, there was a limited amount of things that you could now do because you didn't work hard in school. Henry says this, he who idles away the time of his youth will bear the shame of it when he is old. So many people think that they can get serious about life and make a plan later in life. Right now, I'm just kind of winging it. You know, I'm just kind of, you know, we'll... I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out later. Right now, I'm just having fun. I just wanna live for the moment, and later, I'll prepare. Sadly, we can do the same, not just in our education and our vocation, but also in our sanctification. How many people, like, yeah, 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 I'm really gonna start reading the Bible someday. You know, I know it's important. I'm really gonna get serious about that. After, after this, after that, and you've become people like Hebrews 5, 12 and 13. Hebrews 5, 12 and 13. The writer of Hebrews says this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, right? You've been in the faith long enough that you ought to be able to teach, yet you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. If we continually are putting off prayer, time in the word, study, memorization, you will not grow as you ought to in your faith, in your knowledge of God. You should have a plan and then work the plan. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The hasty person is, they don't, they don't, there's no forethought there. There's no diligence. They're just kind of hopping from one thing to another, tossed to and fro. And their lack of planning, it says here, leads them to poverty. But the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. And so we ought to have a plan and we ought to work that plan as we look to the Lord. Thomas Edison says this I never did anything worth doing by accident nor did any of my inventions come by accident, they came by work, right? I mean, there's so many people like, what is the shortest way to success? And we're seeing that increasingly in our world today. I, I, you know, I really, I wanna be a millionaire, so I'm gonna buy a 50-50 ticket for the Oilers thing. Did you hear what some of those pots were for the 50-50? Like millions of dollars, right? Because, oh, if I just buy that 50-50, then maybe I don't have to work anymore. That would be great. I'll just, you know, kind of, we're looking for shortcuts all the time. But preparedness and hard work are the way to abundance, both spiritually and physically. The fourth thing we want to see here about the diligent is that they are prayerful. And I want to, I thought this was important for us to remember this part when it comes to Work. They're prayerful. We need to understand work at a theological level if we're going to work in the right way. First, we need to remember that before there was ever sin, there was work. God has given us a gift in work. Work is not our enemy, right? Our whole goal in life is not to stop working, our goal in life is to work in such a way that we bring glory and honor to God. God worked. And then, after he had created Adam and Eve, he says, I want you to work the garden. Now, after sin, of course, work got harder. But we need to remember that work is not, is not a result of sin. Sin just made our work harder harder. When we think about Jesus and the way that he lived his life, and just the principles we just talked about there, he was someone who worked with integrity. He was principled. He was someone who persevered to the end. He finished what he started. He was someone who was prepared. There was a plan before the creation of the world, and he completed that. And he's still today working on that plan. We know that even today, He says that he has went away to prepare a place for us, and then he will return someday. God is a God who works, and we as his people have the privilege to reflect him in our work. Our purpose of work is not self-fulfillment. It's not to gain wealth. It's not to bring notoriety to ourselves. It is to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And so we ought to be hard workers because of who it is that we're serving. But we need to be on guard against work becoming an idol in our lives. Most Christians I know, they don't really struggle with being a sluggard. What they struggle with is work being the thing rather than a thing. How is it possible to be sinning even when I'm principled, persevering, and prepared. It's working as if there is no God. Psalm 127, one and two, let's look at that. It should be up on the screen, Psalm 127, one and two. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, For he gives to his beloved sleep. I want us just to focus on that second verse. You working hard day in and day out with anxious toil is not what God desires for you. Do you truly believe that unless the Lord blesses what you're doing, it is in vain? I think if we're not careful, we can adopt the world's thinking of like, here's the deal get A's in school, work really hard, get that education that you need and then you're just gonna be taken care of and you're gonna have wealth and and everything is gonna be great. Well, it won't be great if you're leaving God out of the picture. There is a cost to being a workaholic. For the sluggard, the cost is usually, they just don't have a lot. For the workaholic, the cost is usually relational. They neglect their duties as a father or a mother. They neglect their duties as husbands and wives. They neglect their duties as children of God for the sake of work. There's always a cost when we don't do things the way we ought to. Yes, we ought to be hard workers, but there is a balance there. And so what we need to do as the people of God is pray. Amen? We need to pray each day, Lord, help me to set my priorities in such a way that aligns with what you have for me today, not with what I have for today. But we need to continually be seeking him that we would do all that he asks us to do each day as the people of God, and not just focus on our work. We want to focus also on our family responsibilities and our Church responsibilities, all of these things are what God has given us as the people of God. A sign that you are failing in this way is that if you're not taking any time to rest. How many people think that God needed to rest on the seventh day? Anyone think that that was needed? You know, he was just like, whew, I am so exhausted. That creating the whole world thing, I just need a day off. Did God need to do that? He is God, he did not need to do that. He did it to set an example to you and I. To, to say this is how you ought to work as my people. You, as my creation, I expect you to take time to rest. I remember growing up in a, in a farming community and uh, you know, harvest time was coming and, and sometimes the rain didn't really cooperate with Sundays. Didn't just rain on Sundays. But I seen a lot of farmers who were believers who said, you know what? We're going to honor the Lord by taking the Sabbath. And they would not work on Sunday. Even when there was a gun to their head saying, like, I don't know if I'm going to get the harvest off. But what I seen over and over again is that God blessed that. And they still got their crops off just as quick as their neighbors who didn't take the Sabbath. I say that to remind you and I that God doesn't need your hard work. He doesn't need you to work from 5 a.m. to midnight every day. He expects us to work hard when we work, but he also expects you to take your responsibility as a father and a mother. He also expects you to spend time in the Word. He also expects you to encourage one another in the Lord as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He expects you to proclaim the gospel. There needs to be a balance there. And we can only find that balance by keeping our eyes on him. If we don't, we'll miss the mark. Jesus, I don't think anyone ever thought he was a sluggard, right? But he took time to pray. He took time to be in the word. He took time to to, to enjoy life as well and to rest. And you and I need to follow his example. Silvaggio, he says this, as we embrace a balanced life that includes work, rest, and proper attention to all responsibilities, He will provide all we need to accomplish His will. It's extremely liberating to recognize that God gives us enough time to finish everything to which He has actually called us. Did you catch that part? He has given us enough time to accomplish that which He has actually called us to do. So if I'm a stress case, and I'm self-preaching here, if I'm self, you know, if if I'm I'm stressed out, like, oh, I I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, then maybe I'm doing what I think I should be doing and not what the Lord's calling me to do. And I think we need to examine that in our lives, those of us who maybe are a little bit more on the slant of the workaholic side. So, when we are stressed out, it's likely that we have not been in prayer and secondly, it's likely that we're adding onto our plate that which God has not called us to do. So it's important that we come before him each day to set our priorities. So, how we ought to work, we ought to be principled, persevering, prepared, and prayerful. What can we learn from the sluggard? We see the failure of the lazy, we see the failure of the lazy. First, we see that they are procrastinating Procrastinating. Uh, Proverbs 6, back to Proverbs 6, verses 9 and 10. He says this, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. A picture of this uh, person is someone who gets that tight 12 hours of sleep a night. And for good measure, let's have a nap or two. Just to make sure we're good, right? That sleep is not a bad thing. We all need sleep. It's when sleep becomes the focus. It's, it's what they're doing over and over again. And this is their life motto Never do today what you can put off until tomorrow, right? Never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. If we're being honest, we can all have a tendency to procrastinate about what? The things that are hard, right? The things that we don't like to do. If I never had to do any kind of administration again in my job, I would be very happy with that, right? It is like scraping nails on a chalkboard for me, right? Like it's not the thing. So, how can I overcome that? Should I just keep, the, like, you know what? I'm just going to push that till tomorrow. Oh. Got through another day. I didn't get to it. I'll just keep pushing that, pushing that. Hopefully, maybe I'll never have to deal with it. That's what we're doing when we procrastinate. But in order to overcome that, what I ought to do is, first thing in the morning, do that task. Do that task. The one you don't want to do, do that one first. And then, when you have the energy, when your energy is lower, then you can do the task that you really want to do. We need to have a plan when it comes to these things. And by the way, the person who continually is procrastinating, what's happening also in their life? Stress, more stress, more stress, more stress. And usually what one of the solutions that we do is like, more sleep, more sleep. I'm just going to keep, maybe I can sleep this away. Maybe, maybe I can just push it off. And that's the picture of what we see in this person here. Continually putting off what he should be doing today. The focus is on this, you know, self-ease right now, and maybe I'll do the hard thing tomorrow. We'll never do the hard thing tomorrow if if we're not focused on tackling it today. So, that's the first failure of the lazy. The second is that they are pretexting. What is pretexting? Well, I needed a P word, let's be honest, okay? But what is pretexting? a pretended reason for doing something that is used to hide the real reason. In other words, it's excuse making. It's excuse making. Flip over to Proverbs 26. We're gonna gonna spend the rest of our time over there, majority of our time there. Proverbs 26. And uh, this is one of my favorite Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 26, and then verse 13. Listen to what the sluggard says. There is a lion in the road there is a lion in the streets, right? I would go and I would work, but there's most likely a lion out there, right? And it would not go well with me. I, so I'm just not going to go to work today because I could die going to work. Is this making excuses. It's kind of intuitive to us, is it not? Those with children if you forget what you were like as a child, but if, when you ask a child to do something, are they like, yes ma'am, yes sir, I'll get to that right away," or what do they usually do? They give you an excuse as to why they can't do it. It's too hard, I can't do it. You ever hear that one? I don't feel good, I can't do that. None of the other kids have to do this, why do I have to do it, right? On and on and on. But guess what? We still do it as adults. We're just not quite as obvious when we do it. savagio, uh, a guy who wrote the book, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Frog, he wrote the book, Proverbs Driven Life. And he says this, there's two kinds of excuses that we make as adults. <coughs> The first is the exception clause, it's the exception clause, I know I'm supposed to work really hard but they're just not paying me enough to do that. I, I'm not getting the vacation that I deserve. I, I didn't get the promotion that I deserve and so you know what? I am. I'm just gonna goof off a little at work. I'm gonna work maybe 20 hours a week instead of 40, you know, because that's really what I deserve. And so they make excuses like that over and over again. This person sees the bigger picture than the people who make the rules. In my judgment, the rules aren't exactly fair. So, I'll, so I think I'll just change them a little as they apply to myself and not tell anyone. Right, so. I don't need to make a big deal of this, but this is how hard I'm gonna work now because of the way that I've been wrongly done. Or maybe you take the opposite, the lowest common denominator. Everybody else is slacking off, so I guess I will too, right? Why am I working so hard when nobody else is here? And, and if we're being honest, we can fall into either of those traps. If I would have done a little survey here this morning at the beginning, I'm like, how many would you say are hard workers and how many of you would say you're sluggards? And I don't think anyone like, sluggard. That's me. But we can fall into these tendencies of a sluggard by procrastinating, by making excuses as to why in this particular case we're not going to work. But God wants us to be a people who have integrity, who work hard, not fall into the trap of excuse-making. Another failure that we see amongst the lazy is that they are passive. I'll look down again at Proverbs 26, 14 and 15. As a door, door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> what a great picture, right? Okay. So what is, what's this proverb talking about? Well, he doesn't take any initiative in life. He just stays in the same spot all his life long. Right? A door just keeps swinging in and out, same spot for an entire lifetime. And, and the next verse talks about, you know, I could change it, but is this a lot of work? This is a lot of work. You know, I would put, you know, the picture is here, Like I would put that food in my mouth, but I'd have to bend my elbow and like put it all the way up to my mouth. Like, that's exhausting, right? And, and, and so that's the attitude this person has in life. Typically, they really are big complainers, big grumblers. It's everyone else's fault as to why they're in this position in life. You know, I I... I would, I would really be great if I could just, you know, somebody just give me a break. break. You know, I, but, and on and on and on, they make excuses. Proverbs 15, 19 says this, the way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. In other words, you just can't get going. Bridges says this, he plants his own hedge of thorns and then complains that his way is blocked. He's always standing still. Every time he moves, it's like forcing his way through a hedge, because of which he cuts his flesh as he attempts to make forward progress. Indecision, delay, and sluggishness add to his difficulties and paralyze his exertion. So after a feeble struggle of conscience, but lacking the heart to do anything, he gives up trying he doesn't really like his situation but you know I tried it was hard so I stop and he continues to grumble Proverbs 14 23 Proverbs 14 23 in all toil there's profit but mere talk tends only to poverty he talks a great talk right he, tell, he knows what to say, and so he talks and talks and talks, but he never does anything. He doesn't really have a, he doesn't make a plan. He has no action to his talk. One, things, one day things will be different. You just wait, and yet he or she never makes the effort to do anything different. And then Proverbs 21, 25, and 26, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sluggard at the end of the day, usually wants things to be different. They look at their situation and they're like, I don't like my situation. But they refuse to put the hard work in to actually change the situation. And I, I, it's, it's mind-blowing, but this is becoming the adapted thought in our society. Everybody else should take care of my situation. I, you know, I'm a good citizen, so I should, you should pay for all my education. You should give me $100,000 a, a year to do nothing. Nothing. There should be no hard work. There should be no working my way up the ladder. I should just go from high school to management. That's the kind of thinking that we have today, and we have to guard against it as believers. God blesses hard work. Let me bring this back over to the spiritual again. I don't know how many people will say, I don't like my way my life is going right now. And they'll come for counsel. I'm just looking around. I don't think Matt's here today. And Matt does a lot of counseling. And in, in the counseling that he does, there's, guess what? There's some homework. Why is there homework? Because if you don't put the effort in, nothing is going to change. And sadly, a lot of people are like, I really want my life to be different, but I don't want to put the work in. And that's not Okay. As believers, when it comes to our sanctification, God calls us to put the work in, to be people who are self-disciplined, to be, to be people who walk in such a way that bring glory and honor to Christ. Most often, this group of people are the ones who believe that it's everyone else's fault and not their own. But the last uh, attribute we see of these people, of the lazy, is that they are proud. They are proud. Look at the last verse. Proverbs 26, 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Okay? This guy isn't claiming just to be smarter than his friends. He's not just uh, smarter than his family. He's smarter than seven renowned people who would answer in the same way. Right? That's the picture here. That, that, That seven wise people, seven idea of completeness, this person is far smarter, far wiser than these people. And so no matter what counsel they received, they know better. And when you're in that prideful situation, there is no opportunity for change. You know, I would take that job, but I'm holding out for a management position. I really think that's my giftings, so I'm just going to keep waiting Sure, I take that job, but you know, it's really going to interfere with some other things that I'm trying to do right now. This person tends to be disrespectful to any kind of authority and believes that everyone in the world, sorry, it believes that everyone seen in the world as he sees the world, if, if everyone in the world would see the world as he sees the world, it would be a better place. The reason he or she is in the position that they're in, it has nothing to do with them, they don't believe. They believe that they are victims of this world and of this system. Let us not be like the sluggard. The sluggard continually procrastinates, makes excuses, never takes initiative, and is proud. Not where you want to be as a believer. God cares about our work ethic and our productivity. Lastly, briefly, let's look at the fruit of the labor. Let's flip back a page to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. He says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest in poverty poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Laziness leads to destruction over and over and over again and you will not see it coming. I want us to think about three areas of our life when it comes to work, having a work ethic. The first is education. Teens work hard now. Don't Wait, wait to learn a work ethic later. Children, we have some of the kids, grade four to six in here today. Work hard at your studies. Apply yourself now. It will be fruitful for you. If you work hard from grade four through grade 12, you will have this many opportunities laying in front of you. You will not have to say to God, I wouldn't have done that, but I can't now because I just was so lazy for the last eight years. You'll have every opportunity to do the work that God's calling you to do, and use the giftings that God has called you, or given to you. A lot of people don't know how they're gifted because they're not working. They 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 don't put the effort into it. Realize how God has created you and then work hard So don't unnecessarily narrow down your options for the future by being a sluggard in school. Then there's our vocation. Oh, by the way, college students, university students, that still applies to you, okay? Or whatever degree you're getting. Like, work hard at it. Do your best. Your vocation. Of course, our vocation is not just what we do for a living as far as our workplace goes. It's, it's our calling as parents, as husbands and wives. But I want us to focus on the workplace, being a blessing in the workplace. Proverbs 10.26, another great proverb. Proverbs 10.26, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Right? Vinegar to the teeth. The kind of vinegar they're talking about, it irritated the teeth, right? Smoke in the eyes, it's irritable. So you are as an employee, if you are lazy to your... That's what you're like to your employer. You're, you're like, ah, oh, this guy's just driving me crazy. And I've known business owners who, when we have economic downturns like this, they're kind of like, see the silver lining, right? Uh, see ya, Bob. Sorry, cutbacks happened. Can't keep you around anymore. And they're happy to see Bob go. We ought to be people who work hard, who are a blessing to our Employers. As I said before, we ought to be those who are, are faithful in whatever we are called to do. In Proverbs 12 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Again, this is a general principle. You work hard. And you will be a person who is in responsibility, who has opportunity. You do not work hard. You'll be continually working for someone else for the rest of your life. You'll be dependent upon them. Bridges says this, diligence is the normal path along which to advance. The faithful steward is made to rule over his Lord's household. A lazy spirit enslaves a person. He is perpetually needing the counsel of others and hangs on to it. We must be warned about being a useless servant Christians should be aware of neglecting the responsibilities of living just to indulge themselves. And so we ought to be a blessing to our employers. Even as an employer, you ought to be a blessing to those you employ. Our work ought to bring us joy just like it does for the Father, right? When you read Genesis 1 and 2, as he created, he took a step back and he was like, that is good. That was a good job. Even today, in this process of redemption, He takes pleasure in the process of redemption. You and I ought to be able to take pleasure in our work, enjoy our work. The New Testament passage Kevin read earlier, reminded that we ought to not eat if we will not work. And in this day of handouts, We ought to make sure, as the church, we're not helping someone in their sluggardness. We ought to examine, is it because they just simply won't work, or is there a real problem here? And so, we ought to be a people who are not sluggards, but working hard. And then in the area of sanctification. Sanctification, uh, briefly, we see this. The harder we work in regards to the graces that God has given us, the more we'll grow in the knowledge of him. And that ought to be our goal as his people. But we, we ought not to just be winging it when it comes to our understanding of who he is. Morse says this, if you do not have a work ethic, there is no evidence that your faith is real. You're not believing the gospel. You may get up early, sit in your favorite chair, and read scripture for an hour, but if you constantly procrastinate on your work assignments or cannot complete tasks that you're assigned to you, then you have a problem with Jesus no matter how long your quiet time is. Doing your devos when you're supposed to be working is not something we ought to be doing. There is hard work in growing in the knowledge of God. It's studying It's memorizing the word of God. It's taking time each day to pray. It's taking the time to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ. It's taking the time to proclaim the gospel to the unsaved. It all takes effort, it all takes diligence in the process of sanctification. And can I just say, I believe as a church right now, we are in danger of being way distracted. I'm just going to deal with my own heart here. How much time do I spend looking at COVID stuff instead of studying my Bible? If I'm spending more time studying whatever the latest thing is about COVID and not the word, I've become distracted and I'm off mission. If I'm spending more time talking about masks and whether they work or don't work and and Get off of social media, can I just say that? It is craziness that's happening out there right now, okay? Let's just focus on us in Calgary, not California, not anywhere else, we're gonna focus on us here, and we're gonna say, you know what? This is what the government's told us to do. We're gonna do it. Whether or not it works or doesn't work, it really doesn't matter, right? We're just gonna be at walk in obedience because if we don't, guess what? We're getting distracted. We're getting distracted. If when we get together, all we talk about is COVID and mass, we're missing it, are we not? We need to talk about how we've grown in Christ. And as we look back on the early church, guess what? They had to continually adapt. They had to continually adapt. Can't meet at temple anymore. <laughs> we're not welcome there anymore right? Can't meet here, can't meet there, but we can't live in Jerusalem anymore. We're getting scattered about, and they stayed on mission. They continued to spur one another on and encourage one another. They continued to, to, to proclaim the glorious gospel. Can I tell you right now, in your midst, there are so many opportunities for the gospel right now. I don't know if there's someone here who's in this category, but there are unbelievers showing up to church every Sunday, The last three Sundays, the church that I've been at, there have been people who are unbelievers, self-confessing unbelievers at church. Why? Because the world is being stirred up and we got the good news. So let us stay on mission. Let's not get distracted. Let's work hard at our sanctification. Let us not, as I said, just like angry birds can be a distraction at work, this COVID thing can be a distraction to us actually seeing lost people saved, Save people matured and mature multiplied for the glory of God. I'd love to talk with you more about it if you're kind of like, I don't know, pastor. I don't know where you're at. Elders would love to talk to you more about this. But let us work hard. And so one of the things that we're gonna do, it's hard to visit when you got a mask on, 100%. So right now we have the blessing of going outside and someone has said, hey, we can make hot dogs afterwards. If that's a blessing, just encourage things. We're gonna, we're gonna figure out ways to work through this, right? But let's not... Get distracted. How long are we to work? Just until we see Jesus, right? So let's work hard. Let's do what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this time to be reminded about the gift of work. And God, we're asking, Lord, that you would just help us to stay focused. When we're at work, Lord, help us to work hard. Help us to be a blessing to those whom we work for. Help us to be exemplary about uh, work that, is inte- that has integrity, that work that is as, as perseverance, work that is prepared. God, uh, help us to be prayerful each day about the priorities that we make. Lord, help help us to guard against procrastination. Help us to guard against making excuses as to why we're not going to work. Lord, help us to be faithful, Lord, in the tasks that, Lord, you have given us as children of God, as employees, as fathers and mothers, as children. God, help us. Lord, bring glory and honor to you through all that we do. It's your name we pray.